0: You show up for engaging conversations, we handle everything else. Ready to build a podcast that grows your business in just one hour per week? Reach out to us at ContentAllies.com. Do you employ or pay workers in other countries? Even if you don't yet, you might soon. Now that remote work is the norm, employees have more freedom than ever to move around. If you want to keep the best people, you have to stay flexible. That's why remote makes it easy for companies of all sizes to employ global teams. They take care of international payroll, benefits, taxes, and local compliance, so you can focus less on paperwork and more on growing your business. Remote helps you onboard full-time employees or contractors in countries all over the world in minutes on its simple, easy-to-use platform. And even better, Remote helps you rest easy by providing you the most comprehensive intellectual property protection and data security in the industry. They own full local legal entities in all their covered regions, guaranteeing you never have to deal with a third party ever to save you. Money remote never charges any fees or salary percentages. You get access to everything remote offers from payroll to compliance and to benefits management for one low flat rate, no hidden fees, no surprises ever. Just the best global employment solution in the business. Best of all podcast listeners get an even bigger discount. Get your first employee free for 12 months and two months free for any additional employees onboarded during their first year. You can get 50% off Remote's full suite of global employment solutions for your first employee for three months. Just visit remote.com slash leaders and use the promo code leaders.
1: Hey, leaders. Welcome back. This is Ledge. Got another episode today. I'm really excited to welcome Philip Nathrum to the show. Philip, I would love if you would give an intro of you and your work. I know we're going to have a great
2: conversation. Yeah, well, thanks, lads. I really, I really appreciate you asking me to do this. I'm excited. Philip Nathrom. I run Shift Media Studios. We are a podcast production company here in DC. I service predominantly the government contracting industry and the federal services industry surrounding government contracting, and more specifically, I've also built a platform, uh, DC Local Leaders, where we talk about mindset, leadership, personal growth. Generally, from within that same community, but it's really taken off, and we're becoming a community of people that are dedicated to becoming the best version of themselves
1: so how does that fit in that d c sort of i don't know you know business government you know type of thing? i mean obviously there's a big conversation there you know about leadership for you know humans who really matter to the leadership you know of our of our country and the you know the industrial complex all those things so yeah, I just love break that down a little bit because it's a uh, it's sort of a unique niche.
2: Yeah, well, you know what the government contracting industry, just like any other industry, is a relationship based business, right? It's no different from from any other type of business that you would do. And building those relationships are based on all the things that we know about: no like and trust, right? That's who you're going to do business with for those three specific reasons. Now, there's certain companies that have a specific capability or some type of IP. But again, you would never know about that unless you know, like, and trust the people there. And so DC Local Leaders is a forum that's out to investigate what are the commonalities between us. One thing that that is a problem that needs to be solved is that we have the government, and then we have federal services, and then we have the military. And specifically with defense and intelligence, they they play well together, but there's still a divide. They're still siloed. So how do we bridge that gap? How do we create these public-private partnerships so that we can see that you and I have so much more in common than we may have ever thought. And oh, by the way, you know, here's what my company does. Here's your need. How can we assist with getting your mission complete, whether it's a national security mission or public health? I mean, all the things that we've experienced over the last couple of years.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, it makes me think of those very different personality types that are involved in uh, and sort of, you know, bred into those types of organizations, you know, the traditional military persona being different than the, the public health persona being different than the sort of business publicly traded company type of, you know, MBA persona. I mean, that like, you're almost like trained to to think that those are just materially different and maybe even at odds.
2: Yeah. But, and then you, then you get in there and you find out that they're not. I mean, I think that the way, the way a proposal is written in private industry, like if I were to submit a proposal to you would be different from the way that I write it up. If I'm proposing it to the government, or if I'm a small business that wants to partner with a large business like Lockheed Martin, Accenture, you know, cause a lot of that you team, that's how the work gets done. A portion of it's going to go small business. But what you find is that, well, one people that come out of the military. I, for my, for DC local leaders, I've interviewed so many military folks, and that's the end user of a lot of the a lot of the things that we're creating, at least in the defense industry. So we have to understand what their challenges are. And I've been invited up to to West Point, and 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 I didn't even realize this. Like they are some of the most introspective people. I I, Everything I do is personal development, personal growth. I mean, no wonder I made it to sales, right? But that's constantly all the work that they do because of, well, the stakes at which they operate. But they just coach leadership over and over and over again. And you know, that wears off, I guess, once they leave or transition, it comes into the private industry that sells back to the government. So that permeates, you have this ecosystem of people that are able to learn from each other. And I've never served in the military, but I support the the uniform and, and they've affected me. They've taught me lessons that are valuable that have helped me navigate having difficult conversations when I'm pitching or you know, the human condition, I start doing the thing where I'm reading the body language and now I'm having a conversation with my mind about what did that eyebrow mean? You know, <laughs> right. they they deal with this constantly. And, and it's like, but but you're right. I think the natural tendency is to believe that, you know, the health and human services folks, so the civilian folks think this way, that's how they do business. The military folks, they're tough and hard and this is how they do business. And then the government, it's bureaucracy, it's layers on top of layers and that's how they do business and there is some of that but then when you realize it's just two people doing things together it's no different from any other business and you approach right. it the same way
1: right right and how do you begin those conversations at, at a point where like some of those folks maybe aren't you know right off the bat interested in a change of you know sort of bringing down those traditional walls i would bet that's that's part of it that you need to remind that there's a a human nature to it, you know, to get down to that shared foundation.
2: So I did commercial real estate before getting into this and before, and I, I did commercial real estate representing the government contracting community. So I was tangentially related to these people, but like the commercial real estate industry, for example, you can make those cold calls over and over again. And, and you'll be at those, those, industry meetings, and it might take nine, 10, 12, 11, 15 touches before they even acknowledge you in one conversation. But over time, you're building this relationship, right? And then you're uncovering some of the things that that they say and those little tidbits. And then you're creating something, well, here's what my firm does. Here's the value it creates for you. Here's how it either makes your job easier, saves you some money, makes you more efficient at accomplishing whatever it is that you're doing. And a lot of it, is based on a bunch of conversations, like to get to those conversations, it's usually a bunch of conversations that have nothing to do with anything that you both do for work. It's like, where do your kids go to school? Or are you talking about some sport that you played in high school or a team that you followed or a restaurant that you ate at? You're just being a human being talking to them. And Mm -hmm. so I found it's the same way that like, obviously time is valuable. So when you call someone, they kind of want to know why you called them, you know? So you you do sort of start with, with some of that, but it's really just building a relate, like, Hey, like I'm Philip Nathrum. And look, one of my talents is, is just communicating with people. And I've started this marketing and communications company. And here's what I'm doing. I really want to bridge the gap between you and your clients. You know, can I, I just, I'm just trying to get to know you a little bit better. Here's some questions that I've had that would help me do that for you. And then in that conversation, I'm talking about, yeah. So like, it looks like you served in the Navy. What was that like? Like, what was, Looking back, what's the greatest thing that you know? What's what's your biggest source of gratitude for doing that? Because I had an opportunity to go and I didn't. Like I'm, I'm bringing out these other parts of the conversation where we're starting to relate to each other because we're two human beings, and then that second call becomes easier, and that third one.
1: Yeah, you're using, um, you know, and this is obviously interesting to me. You're using the podcasting, what well, I'll say, channel or you know, vector to kind of get into these things. And, uh, I've had the same experience that I'm just interested to hear about, you know, your experience in using a podcast, you know, as really the enabling, I don't know, venue maybe to, to have
2: those conversations. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I, I really wanted to differentiate myself from some of the other groups around the DC area and there's some successful groups, right? There's some that are specific to the military, like CCAF, Act I Act is one that uh, they're pretty popular, and they're well-known as being the public-private partnership venue. And then you have other ones like Potomac Officers Club, and I can start naming names, right? You know, Washington. But they all kind of have the same sort of model where they've got a set of awards that they recognize people that are achieving things in the industry. You're able to win those awards, which gives you marketability at the awards assembly or because it's an award that's given to private industry government and military folks you know everyone's going to be there and they have their monthly meetings and they do that and that's their venue for communicating they have a monthly happy hour or lunch and learn Mm -hmm. or something like that you know through doing commercial real estate a lot of people i mean i picked up on this this uh my skill set of just talking to people bringing out conversations Mm -hmm. through my own personal experience of Significantly changing my life almost eight years ago. I was supposed to die back in the day. I can tell you about that. Didn't work out, but here I am. Um, <laughs> you know, and and so I have these conversations on a human level, and I thought that's my skill set. How do I utilize that to accomplish the goal that other people are doing? What's that differentiator? And it was podcasting. Still relatively young. It's different from the radio. I think it was a disruptive a thing that was born out of radio because you can advertise with the radio you can there's get your ceo to say something cool and go put it on the on the radio and then hopefully people want to work for your company but i thought if i can interview this ceo and have an hour-long conversation long form mm-hmm. let's just talk about all the lessons you've learned how you've gotten to where you are the challenges you faced. what can happen with that one I no longer have this barrier between you and I, where I think you're some sort of special person that knew some special information that got you to a special place that allowed you to do this special thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you took advantage of some opportunities where you said yes, when others said no, you leaned into fear, you took some risks, you had mentors in your life that championed you, advocated for you and mentored you. Right. So now I know I have to find all three of those. I wouldn't have otherwise done that. You've had, relationships mentorship relationships that aren't formal they're just people that you call half the people that are my mentors have no clue that they're my mentors they're just people I call you know Uh, and I pick up on these things and how do I share that with other people and then other people hear that and they're like you know what can you introduce me to that person because I'm like I I I loved what they said and I, I didn't know that we had that same experience in fact I would see her around the market and I knew she was in charge of blah 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 but I just didn't know and and so that was the idea that like, all right, let's use the skill. It's really just finding the thing that you do well and doing that, uh, which was scary. Yeah, but I was no also doubt. a commercial real estate broker in a time where no one needed commercial real estate. So going from $0 as a broker to $0 as an entrepreneur was a step up to me. Yeah, right,
1: right. Yeah, it was a difficult time for that industry, no doubt.
2: And tell me about tell the personal story then uh, you said. Uh, yeah, well, so so I'm a sober alcoholic, right? So I've been sober almost eight years. And I thought I was going to die back in 2013, so I gave away all my stuff. And uh, turns out you can't just decide to die and actually die, you know. But but in my mind it was very real. That's just that's how that's how off I was, right? I was I was you know sleeping at Shady Grove Metro, which is around here in the DC area, on and off. I had a Craigslist roommate kind of house situation. I, I was doing well until I wasn't. I you know, I um, ended up short selling a condo. I called up CarMax and was like, Hey, come pick up the truck. And they're like, that's not how you sell your car. What are you insane? And, uh, and I stopped paying the bill and they came and picked up the truck. So I'm a winner, ledge. Right.
1: Right. uh, You got it done. You close the deal. Yeah. yeah,
2: Boom. And anyway, in 2014, I had planned to kill myself and I set up this whole, uh, this whole suicide thing. And, I was going to hang myself. I got some twine from Home Depot, and I'd set it all up. The roommates that I was living with on and off were out of the house, and I was ready to go, ready to do it, you know. but it was 4 o'clock on a Wednesday, and I didn't want to die without seeing the season finale of Law & Order SVU, And so, but in the reality, I was probably looking for any excuse not to do it, right. and that was just the one that was convenient at the time, but I was also drinking, and I passed out. I ended up not doing it woke up the next morning and went through my morning routine of just like the, you know, I would I start, I would wake up, I would pop up out of my version of sleep, which was really just breathing really heavy with my eyes closed. And, you know, I'd take a couple of mouthfuls just to stop shaking and sweating and smoke a couple of cigarettes because I smoked at the time and get my day started. And that's how I woke up the next morning. And a couple of weeks later is when I ended up, uh, so I got sober using the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not Here to represent AA, I'm just someone who used it. And then I've done multiple different things from there to continue to enhance and grow my spiritual life and and work on myself, develop a new relationship with fear. I did all the inside work so I can be the person I've always wanted to be on the outside. And it turns out that that, that just permeated all of my rhetoric because it's how I live my life. Even today, I woke up, I took a cold shower. I take cold showers every day, not because I love them. They suck every day. But it's because they suck. I I never want to do it, but I take the action anyway. I I do something in the opposite of what I want to do. And, you know, skydiving and Tony Robbins and the constant reading and the gratitude list and the I am statements and the journaling. And this is all I ever talk about. And it turns out when I really started to open up with that and talk to some of these leaders, these government executives, these C-suite leaders, these military leaders, that was the common ground. They all have some sort, they may not have gotten it the way I got it. It's not a requirement. It did work. You can try it. I wouldn't suggest it. Uh, There's easier ways to go about it. Plenty of books I can recommend. But, and I kind of sarcastically joke about that just to say that if you're there, there is a solution, you know, just to get that out there. Uh, It worked for me and millions of people. But, you know, I, I found that that's, we all seem to have that sort of process, some sort of internal reflection. And that's a starting point. We have that conversation. That's on a human level. That's not, about what you do and what I do and what level of your career you're at or any of that. And that's where we build those relationships. So all of the conversations I have are centered around something dealing with that. Broadly, it's called leadership development, but it's personal growth, it's mentorship, it's what can we learn from each other. And and I don't know, I just it, it really felt right that like be, based on my personal experience, I'm not faking this, right? When I was being a broker, I was using tools and tactics from Jeb Blunt and all the salespeople and all the books of fanatical prospecting. I was using the playbook that I was given and it kind of felt like I was faking it. Like I was, I knew they would work because people have told me they were working. I can see examples of other people around me using it at work. But it really just kind of felt like in case of emergency, break glass. When this is their objection, say this one. If that happens, then say this one. And if they say this, then say this other one. And then set the date. Set the meeting. Make sure you set the meeting. Never leave the meeting without the second meeting. Like I was always sort of just using someone else's playbook. And it felt like, you know, just doing something that other people told me. Whereas what I'm doing now really feels like just me being me and showing up and creating a value out of something that I do anyway not trying to convince someone else that here's a value that I create. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have my own experiences with Al-Anon in the, in the 12-step world. And I've always felt that, you know, it really just felt like, why doesn't everybody do this? You know, this is sort of just life vitamins. It's, it's a really good syllabus for the things you kind of ought to do in your own way anyway. And uh, and it doesn't surprise me that that helps facilitate you know, better relationships because it does facilitate better self awareness and uh, you know sort of not being consumed by things that you just simply can't control and being able to give yourself space to you know sort of um, experience the world of, in color as it were.
2: Yeah, like let go of that selfish idea that it's happening to me. It's it's not. It's happening. And then I also happen to be here, too. You know, but I didn't realize that I was selfish. If you called me selfish a few years ago, I'd have been offended. I'm like, what are you talking about? All I do is worry about what other people think. that's That's how I spend all day. and And but that's precisely what we mean. And I was actually just doing I do this Monday mindset thing on the podcast. every Monday I put it out, and we're recording this on a Monday. And the one for today is about diet, how diet is more than just the food we put in our mouth. It's everything that we consume, what we watch, who we spend time with, the things we listen to. And that's really that if we want nourishment, it's everything. And you're right, man. Like maybe that first step might be different for everybody, but everything else you do to kind of work on that internal stuff, I think it's healthy for everybody. Not all of us get that message.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that you have to go through all this crap to be introduced to that and you kind of go just why isn't this uh like taking your morning vitamin you know uh, you can consume endless uh self-help books and you know all the things and then like every one of those things has a little tidbit you know and it's not this similar to the, the sales books that you talk about like once in a while i'll consume one uh you know and if i'm looking at that 250 pages and there's one thing out of here that i can yeah take with me but But it isn't about, you know, just sort of running that playbook over and over and over again. It's taking away those snippets of experience and trying them, you know, in the real world and testing the results that you get.
2: Yeah, it's you have to experience it. Self-awareness is not something when we talk about empathetic leadership, that's not something you can read a book and just you have to practice that. And I think a lot of that has to be practiced with ourselves before we can recognize the moments where we need to practice that with others, right? Same thing with those sales books, right? I I took a lot away from a lot of different ones. And I I like to think that the way that I approach sales is a culmination of all of those things, little bits and pieces, right? There was this idea of sprints when I had to make a lot of cold calls. Do them in sprints, right? It's daunting to sit there and think, I've got to make a hundred calls today or I'm here all day. And it's like, it's this weird That person on the other end of the line doesn't know me. But in my mind, I'm like, they're gonna reject me. And then when they see me in the grocery store, they're gonna know it was me. They're gonna be like, oh, that's that guy, Philip, that called me and tried to like help my business do something. Ugh. You know, like, you know, like, or it's like you're already not doing business with that company. You're not losing anything. But it's like, I, I don't know. But those little tidbits add up to some sort of organic, natural way that I've found to approach sales. Likewise, all of these little things that I practice and that I do have culminated into this natural organic way that I've learned how to just communicate with others and receive information from others and and to accept help. I ask people for help. And then when they give it to me, I hear it as criticism. What is that? I Mm asked them for their help, but it turns out that's just all a part of the process. I think self-awareness and sales, because sales is a, a person to person thing. They just go hand in hand.
1: Right, right. Talk to me about, you know, I've I've been involved in the leadership training space a long time as well. And one quote always stood out to me is that leadership is the you know most studied, least understood, or most written, least understood topic, you know, of anything. I I think that's right. Like you can, it's almost like trite to hang yourself out and say, I do leadership, because it's so so like, what, what do you mean? Like everybody has their own idea about that. And yet you don't find typically that it gets applied. It's the same, almost the same way as saying teamwork, you know, it's like, what, what does that mean now?
2: Yeah, dude, I, I struggle with this all the time. It's, it, and I, and you know, and I try to figure out, is this imposter syndrome, you know, is this like, is, is that what this is or you're right. I think there's a lot of books about leadership that aren't written, that are written by people that when you look at their, their credentials, and I'm not saying they don't know what they're talking about, but they've never led anything. Like, so how how can you take me somewhere you've never been? Right. That's why I stick to like leadership, but what there are some commonalities. You can see that leadership development, all, most of the leaders that I've interviewed and that I've talked to that are, that are what we would say successful leaders and that They have the following. There's a woman around this beltway. Uh, Her name is Vicky Schmansky. There's people that will lay down in in traffic for this woman, right? Like, honestly, right? And and that has been her claim to fame or like people know that about her. When you mention her, that's what they think of. It's never the company she happens to be with at the time or where she went to school or the big thing that happened. It was her as an individual. And I think she's incredibly self-aware the way that she communicates with others she can get you to feel comfortable about saying whatever it is that's on your mind at the moment and i found that the good leaders are doing that because they've worked on themselves and think about what that does that opens the line of communication right jocko willock will tell you discipline equals freedom he'll also tell you that like it's your fault right if if the mission wasn't succeeded it didn't succeed and one of your team members says something like, well, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. That's actually your fault as a leader. Either you didn't ask the right question or you didn't prepare them with the right info or you didn't have an environment where they felt like they can ask you in the first place. Right? And so when we think of like, but you're right, this idea of leadership, I I, I don't even call myself someone who speaks on leadership because of that same like, who do I think I am? Or like, what does leadership mean? You know, But, but positive psychology, personal development, mindset, di- like a, a a mental fitness, mental diet, these kind of things, I can get behind that because I practice that in my daily life. Now, if that equates to having a skill set that many leaders have, then that makes sense. But sure. like, you know, I'm working on a book and it would not be, here's what Philip Natham is telling you about leadership. It's going to be, here's what I've learned from interviewing people that have successfully led teams. And here's the commonalities that I found about them as a human, Right as a as an individual. And here are some things that I've practiced in my own life to, to build those skill sets, right? So it's kind of like, here are the skill sets that I found common in leaders. Here's what I've been doing to build those skill sets. Here's what a bunch of other people have said that they've done to build those skill sets. If you want to be this, you should work here. And that makes sense, right? Because that's like a tangible thing. But like, I'm a leader, there's plenty of people that are in charge that aren't leaders. What is so, I mean yeah does it
1: ever and i've had this and this may the same type of in, imposter thing but you know does it ever just irk you to have to describe that you either do you know marketing or or sales like you know just like that you have to jam your expertise into one of those traditional sort of business book yeah lives? because you know I, I think you can do all those things well you can do all those things poorly not not dissimilar to leadership and teamwork you know it's it is that collection and yet i understand the nature of and all i think all the business folks in our you know community here will understand is that like you just have to distill what you do down into a simple enough thing and and put it in a package that people actually want to pay you for and you know nobody wakes up in the middle of the night and says you know i really need a combination of uh you know, mindfulness and positive psychology from an expert who does podcasting, you know, so like you got to, you got to pull it together into something that is packaged for, for sale.
2: Yeah. Dude, I just figured out how to do that. And, and I was learning that lesson for some time now, not realizing that I was, le- cause, you know, yeah, warm and fuzzies are great, but, you know, no one cares really about that. You can't can pay, pay you, your rent with warm and
1: fuzzy checks, right?
2: Right. No one's paying you for that, right? So, but if you can... If
1: I you love can, that guy. I'm so glad that he's doing what he loves. I'm not going to pay him,
2: but I he sure is the best guy. <laughs> I'd totally hang out with him and have a cup of coffee that he can buy. <laughs>
0: right.
2: You know, um, yeah, but it, it really is. All right. So, yeah, it was really figuring that out. That's been part of this entrepreneurship journey of feel, figuring out what my value prop really is, thinking that it was that. That that it was this and then finding out later on that it's actually something different because the reality is all right well What I'm doing will help you win more business and it will also help you hire the right people And those things go hand in hand because when you win more business, you then have to hire more people Right, so attracting and maintaining talent right now in a, in a world where we have a term called the great resignation mm-hmm. So like that's a real that's a thing, right? so Hiring and maintaining talent. Well, especially when you're you're fractional the way that you are and you're working from home, one of the hardest things to do is even have a company culture in the first place and then maintain it, build it, describe what it is, because no one's around anybody else. But and and so there's people I've met people in companies that have gotten a job over the last couple of years. They've never met their supervisor, they don't know who runs that department, they don't know, they have no connection to any of the C-suite leadership. So if someone comes along and offers them even just a little bit more money or something that's even like a slight bit more attractive, they'll take it because there's no connection there. But creating an organic conversation that you can have that's evergreen content that lives forever with someone who's a third party, that's the other, that's the key part that I'm an independent biased source of this discussion. It's not like, the head of marketing is interviewing the head of whatever. And they all work for the same company. And you can tell that like, if they want to keep their job, they better start saying this stuff. Because nothing's stopping me from asking questions like, why do you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Or how do we know that this is real? Or like, you know, and I think that is part of the value. And then also, because I'm interviewing, you know, some like the actual customer, We, we talked about that before. It's like, the idea of interviewing someone's customer that they either have limited or no access to is a value and aligning their message or being able to create organic conversations. You know, obviously it's not, I'm not, you know, I, we can't have a discussion about building genuine relationships and then just monetize that phone list. Um, (laughs) You know, that's not what the point is, but if there is a organic conversation to be had facilitating that or, Aligning those messages is a value, right? Because it creates more communication with someone that you wouldn't otherwise have communication with. And then further, it helps other people that would potentially work here or that do currently work here, understand the environment that you're in and who's actually leading you. And know, like, and trust. We follow leaders that we know, like, and trust. We take advice from people that we know, like, and trust. I don't have a bald-headed barber. I want a nice fade, right? Right. I don't take dating advice from single people. I I have married friends that get like, why would I do that? You know? And so when I can see myself in you as the leader and see myself having a path similar to yours, then I'm more likely to stay here.
1: Right. Sure. Yeah. And I, I looked at years ago, the podcasting space and I realized that, you know, I needed a reason to be able to talk to the people that I wanted to talk to. And what was the best way I could do that was to feature them, ask them questions, and then tell everybody else how great they were, you know, and that that alone was a far better opener than some kind of cold outbound email, LinkedIn, call, like whatever it was like, no, I really just want to have a conversation with you and honor you for the things that you're good at. And if we end up being friends and, you know, doing business, that's, that's great too, you know, but any way you sliced it, it was easier to get somebody to come and have a conversation if the conversation was about them and not about me. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and it's just, it's classic, you know, Rockefeller or whatever, you know, like there's, there's not, uh, this isn't new stuff, but I think it applies to the new media a lot better. And, um, and then the consumption of that media, you know, so it's just, it's the new networking meeting. Like I don't go to coffee meetings as much as I used to because it was incredibly cumbersome. And invariably, I would look at that conversation and be like, geez, I wish I could have recorded that. That was some really smart stuff.
2: I've had so many episodes where the juice happened before or after the mic was on.
1: Right. You always have to record before that.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's just like, if only I put a. Uh, but it's like, you know, that's either when their guard is down or... You know, but something else you asked earlier about how do you package yourself or how do you determine what you even are? Are you a marketing and communications consultant? Are you a business development consultant? Is this just a a membership organization or is it some sort of like, you know, a like par- partnership membership thing that you can belong to? And that was, that has been and still sort of is part of the struggle. But I, I also don't think that, I would have been able to make any of the progress that I made had I not just gotten started. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just me, right? It was sort of like, you know, shoot first, aim later. And it really feels like that almost every day, which I I don't think is probably the best way to do anything. But it's, you know, I'm a big proponent of acting our way into a better way of thinking. I just had to start doing it. And I was doing it as a commercial real estate broker for the same reasons you just mentioned that thinking that like, I've got to get to the decision maker anyway. And rather than some sort of cold call and trying to navigate some sort of like presentation of our services and, you know, whatever email I I sent them with like a PDF of something that hopefully is valuable to them or whatever, I'm going to interview them for this podcast. I was going to call it better people have done worse things, um, (laughs) which is like a way of saying don't take yourself so seriously, but still talk about the same topics. I ended up calling it DC Local Leaders. And they were all part of the government contracting community because that's who I serviced. And, And somewhere around like episode 10, they were like, dude, you should be doing this, right? Because the idea was like, but it was the same concept you just mentioned that like, this is how we're gonna build our relationship. They don't know me from Adam. They don't have a reason to know me, but I wanna learn from them and I wanna know more about them. And then over time, well, one, I had to stop being half pregnant. I couldn't have one foot in, in yesterday and one foot in tomorrow. So I was pissing all over today. And, uh, and so I had to go full into it. And by doing that, it's led me to like, oh, here's their real need. They, they have marketing and communications teams, but they don't have the time to go and just do these interviews with their customers and their clients to even get out. There's there's tons of people in there and they might have way more in common with those people than they think to actually build those relationships that help them do more business or at least have more of a conversation than they otherwise would not have had. But they just don't have the the, the manpower or they don't have the skill set. Like that's where my differentiator, that's where all that personal experience comes in. That's what sure. I really sell. is that this isn't work for me, folks. Like I create that value without faking it. And oh, by the way, you know, you, I'm an unbiased third-party person that you aren't, so you can't have the same conversations or get access that I have. Right, and then, sure. And further, yeah, having a third-party say that your company is awesome is way better than you having your marketing team put out a campaign that says, look how awesome we are.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you find that the challenge of a communications consultant or any type of consultant there is like, it's not just the packaging there is to say like particularly when you're we used to call this you know a rainmaker. like he's just the guy who knows everybody so how do you monetize that because of the tremendous input necessary to network you know essentially and and produce all this stuff all the time and i don't need to get into it there's different models you know for that but uh, i would encourage everybody that's thinking about this you know don't do the whole like well, I'll introduce you to somebody and then you need to give me 10% of revenue or, you know, it's like, keep it away from transactional, but be, be forward with the fact that, you know, listen, the thing that I've built here generates a tremendous amount of relationship value that I'm going to bring to you. And I just want you to be aware that one way or another, someone needs to subsidize the existence so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. And I think when you leave it out there and people understand why. It reminds me of, you know, sort of if you want advice, ask for money. If you want money, ask for advice. And when you bring value to someone, you know, ahead of time, I'm a big fan of just make them aware of what went into that value, not in the way of say here's your invoice, but maybe in the way of, here's your invoice where I show you what it should have cost and I struck it out and made it zero. But I want you to know that there's real value tied to that. And I think that's the psychology of, of selling, you know, sort of influential relationships that uh, it's hard to get into and train yourself to do, but it's really important if you're going to drive that relationship and networking-based business.
2: That's, yeah, I, I love the way you put that because it was the sales is a little different from when I was doing commercial real estate, for example, because I represented a firm. The firm was much bigger than me as an individual. The firm was also national and well-known. And there was already, if you're engaging a broker, you already know what your need is because you're engaging them to do the thing you already know you need. Whereas this as a consultant, one being a single individual or you know, small team, I have some external people that help me, but it's really just me. So it's kind of selling yourself, and and yeah, it's for me. I was ve- I'm 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 very rigid on the fact that I'm not just monetizing my phone book here. I'm not just get I'm getting to know these people because I want to build these genuine relationships with those people. So you come into me and say, introduce me to all of these people, and if we win, then I'll give you a p-. like. And I don't even approach it from the other way around, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned that like here's you know my procurement fee or you know whatever it 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 is but part of asking to be paid has been one of the hardest lessons to have to learn especially because of how i approach doing business where i'm building a real relationship so like i've i've been in conversation with this person for a long time you know we had were friendly even if it is just like strictly business and then i might have performed a few things or done some stuff already at no cost and now to have to try to get paid for it or ask to get paid for it is, has been difficult. It's, it's this weird, I had to work on that, this feeling of not enough or that understanding my value or like, who do I think I am? Like that's way too much. They'll pay those people that, but not me, but also learning how to communicate that without any sort of shame, guilt, frustration, any of the natural things that I would feel and say something like, you know, I believe I create a value because of these things or here's the value that I'm creating. And, ordinary like here's what goes into creating this these podcasts don't just happen these meetings don't just happen this the quality of content the level of conversations and the ability to reach these people don't just happen and and they know that but being able to in order for me to continue doing this and providing you this service and providing this value and creating these relationships for you i need to be able to to continue doing doing them Uh, and it takes money to do that because if i didn't then this wouldn't happen anymore Right,
1: right. Well, yeah, and I think everybody gets an opportunity to think about how much do I give out front to show the value of this thing that maybe, you know, people aren't sure to get their head around. But when they see it, they want more. And, and I do always encourage folks to just don't go too far down the line of just value, 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 giving without explaining and asking for, you know, let me show you behind the curtain of how I pulled that off because we know you like the thing. you you want to see it, this is what that actually looks like. So, and and if you're any type of B2B company, you're paying a tremendous amount of money one way or another for every decent meeting that your sales team had. And I just helped you skip all that. So if you would have paid $3,000 for that lead to turn into a qualified meeting before, there's a reasonable chance that uh, you should consider this the same way. And let's work on a model that works for both of us.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it's funny. You don't go too far down down the line of of value, value, value without asking to be paid. And you know what I found is that I've never gotten the response that they were even shocked that I was asking to be paid. They were probably more shocked that I didn't. And you know, in the beginning, because they are, like they're a business to business person, especially if you're dealing with the decision maker, because they're in a position where they're having this conversation all day long anyway. If they're an entrepreneur, they've been here before too, and you get to act, at least relate on that level. And then also, like, I, I found that there seems to be this thing, and I'd love to hear what you thought about this, where people have a tendency, it seems like, to value what they pay for as opposed to paying for what they value, at least in business. You know, like if you invite people to a thing and it's free, not very many people show up or it's not heavily attended or- Yeah, I think that's right. But if you charge- Well, it's
1: the same like, you know, if you, and there are business models, both sides of this. Like if I pay $10 a month for the 24 hour gym, like the gym designed it that way so that it doesn't hurt me enough to get billed $10 every month and not show up. So the gym has 10% of the- Capacity necessary for the membership because they know that over time, 90% of the people are too lazy to either quit the 10 bucks or to go to the gym. And so that's a subsidized model, kind of shady. I don't know if you would want to build that, but the reality is that that is a thing. Now, on the other side, it's, you know, I am the elite, you know, consultant of leaders in the DC area and to even get me out of bed is $5,000 a minute. You know, like there's the other side of like disbelief, like it can't possibly be worth that much. And I think all of us in the service industry are trying to find, you know, where does that kind of accordion come together? But, you know, you're right. Like, And that's where I think like it's equally valuable to label something as not free, but provide it as an added value so and that's why i'm a big fan of like look do cool things for your clients and your prospects but write it down on what it should have been and draw a line through it and say you know for you philip i'm doing this just because i think you're cool but this is what it should have cost and you have to be apparent with that and then the psychology works you know kind of yeah, in your favor so
2: i love that i there's uh i I do some public speaking and and that was some of the advice i got Is like even if you take it for free just to get the repetitions of being in Mm -hmm. front of a crowd or practicing something new send them an invoice zero it out but send them the invoice because the next time they ask you they've already you've already set the precedent of what it would normally cost and and yeah i mean i i like i said i'm building this platform it's a technology platform so this is all new for me learning how to navigate that and do that and that I want to take the subscription model. I think that's more durable. And then you're actually creating the value to the people who actually want it. You know, it's selling in a different way. Then, then if you if what you have is a value to them, they'll continue to pay it. But again, comes in that sort of pricing models, like how do you price it in a way that it generates the revenue you need, especially for the data space and everything else that you need in order to maintain it. But that you can get mass amount of people that even if, you know, you have a, a consistent amount of value that you're providing that is still useful and ongoing and it's sticky in nature that they can just keep up with it. Then it's no longer about sponsorships or going to the companies. Maybe you align with their human resources uh, department to make it more of a part of the the employment package. That's my idea that, you know, mm-hmm. if you want your employees to continue to work on themselves, their, their communication skills, their leadership development skills, that sort of sure. thing. Um, yeah,
1: you'd be looking at an L and D type of budget for a thing like that, and um, you know everybody's looking on how to make those more consumable, link them up with their LMS, their existing training programs, you know, all that type of stuff. I've also seen some businesses, you know, spend um, spend marketing dollars and from the hiring and recruiting sort of pairing on this type of stuff because I now think that retention is not just for customers, you know, anymore. So I think that'd be worth anybody, you know, in this type of arrangement leaning into I'll also say that building communities is a lot harder than people think because it's easy to charge somebody and bring them in and it's not easy to get them to interact on a regular basis under their own power so you know typically when you you know and i've done a bunch of these things where you know somebody you join a 30 dollar a month slack and you're supposed to get access to all this stuff and like but nobody else is talking so you can't talk because like it doesn't do anything for you and so you know, community interaction becomes a real challenge and there's whole disciplines around, you know, managing remote communities and, you know, having value and everything. But uh, my thinking would be you keep it center to, you know, a very distinct set of scheduled values and, you know, listen, don't sign up for this thing unless you're going to come to Mastermind every Monday at noon, because if you aren't like and you can't clear your schedule for that, this is not going to be valuable for you. And so you can be very, you know, overt in that type of, uh, you know,
0: setup.
2: Yeah, I think staying nice and then being selective on membership—it's not just for anybody. There's an application. You know, uh-huh. this, you've got to be at a certain point in your career for certain levels of the thing, and like being very deliberate about that would so
0: it wouldn't be giving
1: people shadow work is very difficult because if you make application-based things you will find that a lot of people won't fill it out so you also have that lead form sort of kickback problem you know as well i need um, 20 different data points in order to give you a price and they go never mind i don't want to price that bad so
2: (laughs) right yeah there's a
1: lot of psychology for all this stuff so
2: yeah lots to learn but i'm excited about doing it right it's you know and there's some that but and i just try to follow the lead of the ones that are successful like chief i don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar with chief doing- uh, i'm
1: not but i believe that's a good name
2: <laughs> yeah it's yeah i mean and their niche is women right they they yeah, they okay. it's a women's organization for women leaders and they're doing really well and and so i think yeah i don't know there it's a puzzle to solve and there is a solution to the puzzle and i'm excited about trying to to solve that or Seeing where that could go, right? Because I mean, look at where I am with this podcast. Initially it was just a, a tool that I was going to do more commercial real estate business with. And now it's not just the thing I do. It's it's gotten me into two different avenues that I'd never thought. I built a skill set to do it on my own. Now I'm being hired to produce others as a media company. And then those two things put together are now opening the door for, you know, training sessions and breakout sessions and speaking, which is all part of what I think would be this community of people. I don't know, but maybe the act of doing that would lead to something else. But I, I can't be half pregnant and I'll never know until I get started. So.
1: <laughs> well, Philip, I've I've enjoyed this very much. You have a great attitude. You know, obviously the stuff you went through uh, really helped get there, but you've obviously taken that to a positive development space. I just think that's a lot of fun. So having watched you on a video and reached out and just said, Hey dude, we got to talk on this podcast. I'm very happy that we did that. If anybody's resonating, you know, with what you're saying, or they just want to get in touch, what are the best channels to do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's Philip K. Nathrum. Email Philip with two L's. Dot Nathram. That's N A I T H R A M at shiftmediastudios.com. It's very long, I know. And I'm also on Instagram. It's DC Local Leaders is the podcast. And filled with life is mine. That's filled, P-H-I-L-L-E-D, with life. That's awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming out. really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Leaders of B2B podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. And as always, you can see more information about this episode and all the resources mentioned at leadersofb2b.com.